Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. The Lord just really dealt with me that today was the day for this word. It's kind of an unusual word. I hadn't been there in a while. Uh, thank you, worship team. Thank you guys so much. Good to have Wesley up here with us this morning. The Lord's been dealing with me for the past couple of weeks, actually, about the topic that I'm going to talk with you about this morning. And I believe today that there are those that are here this morning, that God's brought you here today, and I believe this word's going to speak to you. I believe in the power of God's word, and I believe that God's word is going to bring freedom and healing today. So I'm going to ask you, uh, if you have uh, already sat down, if you'll stand with us one more time and turn uh, in your Bible to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look at one <coughs> verse in Galatians chapter 3, or I'll tell you what, we're going to look at two verses, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Now I, want to, I want to talk to you this morning, and I want to tell you that the curse is broken. The curse is broken. Galatians chapter 3, begin with verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did he become a curse for us? Why did he redeem us from the curse of the law? Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Can I tell you something this morning? The reason that Christ came and died on the cross for us is that we could be free from the curse of sin over our lives. All right? And I want you to understand that this morning. And I'm not only speaking to people who are not saved or not born again. If you're, if you're here today and you're not born again, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are operating under the curse of sin. When I talk about the curse today, don't look for some uh, big-nosed witch with a ward on the end of her nose with a big black hat on that's walking around. Don't look for some red demon that's walking around with a pitchfork and say, well, I don't see that, so I'm not under the curse. You're living under a curse if you're in sin and without Christ. Just because Jesus came doesn't mean that everybody's curse was broken. 
The curse is broken when I acknowledge him and submit to his authority and his blood comes in and changes my life and breaks the bondage of sin. So I'm talking this morning to those who might be here today who have not yet made him the Lord of your life. And I want to make it plain that you are operating under the curse of sin. Sin has a hold and a grip on your life. And then I want to talk to those of you this morning that are here and you have accepted Christ into your life but yet you are still walking in bondage. You are still walking under bondages of certain things in your life. You might think, well, Pastor, if, if, if anybody's ever made Jesus the Lord of their life, isn't the curse broken? The curse of sin was broken. But we still have a tendency to live under the effect of, of things that have been handed down to us through the generations. And hopefully this morning we're going to see that. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word. Now, Lord, let your word come today. Father, as you said in the book of Isaiah, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, Father, let your word come today. Let it rain on us and cause us, cause the desert places, cause the dry places, cause the waste places to begin to blossom and bloom today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can take your seat. <clears throat> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. When it talks about the curse of the law, all it is saying and stating is this, that until the law came, we didn't know sin. But when the law came, the law specified what the sin was. And so Jesus came to deliver us from the curse of sin and break the curse of sin from over our lives. Now, listen to this. How I live validates what I believe. In other words, your lifestyle validates what you say with your mouth you believe. I'll give you another one. My habits are a testimony of the degree of my submission to the authority of Christ. Now what I'm going to preach this morning is going to be a little bit hard. It's going to dig around in your flower bed. God just don't like the flowers been growing there. All right. So he's going to dig around in your flower bed a little bit. All right. My actions demonstrate to others the principles of my faith. If I talk about faith, if I talk about how godly I am and how I believe and how I walk in faith, then you need to understand that your actions are a demonstration of your faith. I said this a few weeks ago, 
there's no greater indication of great faith than to look at the direction of your toes. Because if your, if your toes are moving in the direction that's moving toward God, then that is an indicator of where your faith is. But when your feet are headed in the opposite direction of what God is saying, that also indicates your faith. The way in which I fight my battles directly correlates to the authority that I am most influenced by. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to tell you, go ahead and write that down because I'm going to speed up here in a little bit and you're not going to be able to write it down. You're going to have to get the podcast. But I want you to get these few things that I'm saying and I want you to understand that if I say that I am free, if I say that I'm walking in freedom, then I need to realize and I need to understand that how I live is what validates what I believe. In other words, my lifestyle gives credence to what I say I believe. If I believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but I'm always walking in death and depression, and I'm always talking about how big my problem is, then my words are validating the fact that I do not really believe that He is the resurrection and the life. My habits are a testimony of the degree of my submission to Christ. If I tell you that Christ has set me free, that he's broke the chains of bondage in my life, but yet I am still living under the power and the bondage of habits, whatever that habit might be, whether it's lying, whether it's cheating, whether it's smoking, whether it's drinking, whether it's chewing tobacco, whatever that habit is. Listen, I have people all the time that ask me, is this a sin, Pastor? Is this a sin? And I always tell them, if it, has a greater hold on you than Christ does, then you need to lay it down. If the habit that you're got, you've got dictates your habits, then you might need to check it because it can be detrimental to you. All right? The way that I fight my battles directly correlates to whose authority I'm under. If I can't win the battles that I'm fighting, then it might be that I need to check who I'm being influenced by. Because when I am under the influence of oppression, when I am under the influence of habits and bondages, then that is, what, that is how I'm going to fight my battles. But when I am under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will see a different warrior stand up. There's a different soldier that will rise up because when you are under the influence of the power of God, you fight your battles differently. We're talking about, I'm, listen, when I talk about the curse is broken, I'm talking about things that are, are habitually done in our lives that rob us of our ability to bring forth a harvest. It robs us of our ability to uh, see our seed come forth and bring harvest. Now, I want to give you an understanding of the process 
of the curse of sin. This is going to be kind of specific because I want you to understand, guys, that there are that, that so many Christians and so many people are living beneath what God wants us to live. God wants us to walk in victory. So I want to, I want to take you back to the book of Genesis, to Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And, and when they sinned in the garden, God came down and he found Adam and Eve and, and uh, you know how they had tried to cover themselves with fig leaves and all that. And, and to make a long story short, God uh, cursed, uh, the, he cursed the serpent and said, you're going to uh, crawl on the ground from this day on. And, and so he cursed the serpent to, to uh, crawl on the ground and to eat the dust of the ground. But he also uh, cursed Adam. And he said this to Adam. He said, no longer will you be able to enjoy the, the fruits of this garden, but from now on you are going to have to toil and work and labor, and, and the ground that you toil and labor in is going to bring forth thorns and thistles. And he said, by the sweat of your brow are you going to earn your substance. And so God cursed the ground for Adam. He didn't curse Adam. He cursed the ground. And, and what does the ground represent? The ground represents what I sow in and what you sow in and what we reap the benefits of the blessing of God from. And God said because of the sin, thorns and thistles are going to begin to grow in the ground and you're going to have to work and labor uh, to deal with those thorns and thistles from now on. And we're doing it even today. That was the first curse that was, that was mentioned in Scripture. The second curse that is mentioned in Scripture is Genesis chapter 4. And I want you to see the process of the curse. Cain, in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says that Cain murdered his brother Abel. And because Cain murdered his brother Abel, the Bible says that God came and Cain was cursed from the earth. It, the earth would no longer yield its strength to Cain. Listen, but notice this. Adam and Eve had sinned by something they put in their mouth that God said, don't do that. Cain sinned by murder. You see the progression of sin. You see the progression of the curse. What I'm trying to get across to you today is that it started with something that Adam and Eve ate, and then in, in their children, it came out to murder. All of it was a result of the curse of sin. See, the curse doesn't ever heal itself. Sin will never heal itself in your life. There has to be something greater than the sin that can come in and bring healing. The third curse is in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 20. So far, the ground has been cursed. That that yields fruit, that that brings fruit has been cursed. Even though Cain murdered his brother, God put a mark on him, but he cursed the ground. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, 
Noah and his family have come off the ark and the Bible says that Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard and he got drunk off the grapes that he got from his vineyard. The Bible says that Noah was laying in his tent, apparently uncovered. Ham, his son, came in and dishonored his father. I personally believe that it was an act of homosexuality that Ham came in and dishonored his father. But as a result of that act, the Bible says that, that uh, Shem and his brother came in and walked backwards and covered Noah up, thus honoring their father. And Noah woke up, realized what Ham, his son, had done. He didn't curse Ham, but he cursed Ham's son, Canaan. You see the progression of the curse. It started out by something that they ate. It then went to murder, and now it is no longer the ground being cursed. It is the seed of man that is being cursed. Noah cursed his son, Ham, or cursed Ham's son, Canaan, which was the father of the Canaanites and many others in the land of promise where the children of Israel went in to conquer it. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 2 says this, As the bird by wandering, and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. In other words, the curse of sin doesn't come without a cause. When, when somebody does something, there's an effect. Adam and Eve did something that was against God's will. The effect of that was the curse. Cain did something that was against God's will, and the effect of that was the curse. All of it had roots in sin. Sin is the root of all the curse. Listen, let me tell you something about sin, and it sure is quiet in here. It's like plowing in hard ground, okay? But I'm going to go ahead and plow it on up, okay? Because truth will set you free, all right? Let me tell you something about sin this morning. Sin, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We're living in a culture today where we think that God will wink at our sin and God won't pay any attention to our sin. We think that if we think it, then it's got to be right. If I think it, then it's got to be good. If I dream it up, then God will be pleased with it and I can do it. But I want to tell you something this morning, that in 2019, just as it was in uh, uh, 1 B.C. or 1 A.C. or whatever, that sin is still sin, and sin will still bring forth death. The wages of sin on payday will be death. Uh, sin will always bring death into our lives. Can I tell you something else? Sin is the rejection of Christ. It is the rejection of the authority of Christ in my life. So we could, we could stand up here this morning and we could name all the sins. We could, we could preach on the clothesline. We could preach on the bar room. We could preach on, uh, on the street corner and we could do all that. But sin, uh, but, but friend, sin is simply a rejection of the Lordship of Christ. So you want to know what sin is? Sin is when I reject the authority of Christ 
in my life. It is when I reject to allow Christ to take charge of the place in my life and to be and to reign, whether it's in my mind, whether it's a habit or an attitude. And here's the thing that that the Lord really uh, dealt with me about, and I wanna I wanna really drill in on this. Sin travels from generation to generation. Sin has a generational transfer effect. And and by that, I mean this. Just as I share my DNA with my children, every one of my children have my DNA. I have the DNA of Henson Phillips and Ruby Phillips. If you want to know who I belong to, then do a DNA test and it will take you down the line of everybody that I'm connected to because it is my DNA. All right? I leave my DNA on everything that I drink from, everything that I eat from, I leave a part of my DNA. It is a mark. It is a trail marker that everywhere I go and everything that I do, I leave a part of my DNA. And my children inherited that DNA. I inherited my father's DNA. Sin and spiritual things have a DNA. And when we uh, have a uh, bondage of sin in our lives, then, friend, it creates a spiritual DNA in our lives. And, and the only thing that can stop that is the blood of Jesus. Can I illustrate it to you? Thank you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. John, John, come up here, man. Yeah, 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 you. Come up here. Brother Randall, can you come up here, man? Uh, Destin, can you come up here too? Come up here and just stand right here because I want everybody to be able to see what I'm going to do. Brother Randall, you get over here. Destin, you get over there. All right, here's, here's what I want you to get because there's such misunderstanding, guys, uh, of this. Randall is the, is the patriarch. And we're going to say Randall is the patriarch of the Foley family, all right? He's, he's, he's the daddy of John and the grandfather of Destin. Jesus help you, brother. All right? Randall, Randall was born, and we're just going to say that Randall, when Randall was born, Randall was born in sin. David said, in sin my mother conceived me. All of us are born sinners. None of us are born saved. All of us are born sinners. In other words, there was a certain amount of DNA, spiritual DNA, that Randall Foley was born with, and it's going to be represented by this little bag. This is the sin that Randall was born with, all right? And so Randall is holding that little bag of sin, all right? And so that's, that's in his life. 
Randall kept that little bag of sin and refused to give it and put it under the authority of Christ. So that little bag of sin uh, maintained and he kept it. And then John, uh, Randall married a woman and, and they had a child and they, they, uh, they called him John. But here's what happened. John was Randall's son and John also was born a sinner. So he had a little bag of sin. But here's what happened. Randall died, and when Randall died, he passed this down to John. So you're out of the picture. All right? So, so here's the thing. What Daddy had passed down. Let me, let me do it like this. Maybe Daddy, come back up here, brother. We're resurrecting you, man. Randall had this little thing. It wasn't big. It wasn't no big deal. And but 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 I'm gonna just I'm gonna use this example. All right. Randall, he liked to he liked to have a beer every once in a while with with the boys. It wasn't much. He, he never he wasn't a drunk or anything like that. We'll just say he was a social drinker. He he liked to go out with the boys after work and get him a drink every once in a while. And and it, and you know it wasn't no big thing to him. It was it was just a, every once in a while. What no big thing. That that was that was basically you know he didn't know Jesus or anything, but or but that was basically his biggest issue that he had. So he died. Now you're dead. So was passed down to John because John inherited Randall's DNA but also John watched with his eyes his dad and so that little thing was passed down to John well John the difference between Randall and John is this John had a an addictive personality in other words, John was a type of person that it was easy for him to get addicted to things. He could go out and play golf, and, and he was stuck with it. He had to play it every day. And, and what he had seen his daddy do was passed down. So here's what happened. John went from a beer a day to a bottle of whiskey a week. Before long, it had gotten bigger. John was an alcoholic. You see, now he's got a whole handful of sin. And then he begins to take on other things. And it gets more and more. You see, that's the, the progression of sin that is handed down. It can be an attitude. It can be a temper. It can be anger. It can be a lying spirit. It can be an adulterous mindset. And it can be many things that's handed down generation to generation. But here's the thing. It just kept growing with John. It kept getting bigger and bigger with John. John marries a woman. Her name was Stacy. And she was a beautiful soul.
She didn't know all the bags that John had. She didn't know all the stuff that, that John was toting around with him. But she married him. And when she married John, John took a whole, on a whole other load of stuff because John tried to lie to cover up his habit. He tried to deceive his wife because he didn't want her to know that he was addicted to something. He tried to deceive everybody around him so that nobody would really know what was really going on in the, on, on the inside. And you see, what started out with a small bag has now become something bigger and bigger and bigger. John and Stacy have a son. His name is Destin. He was a handsome young man. All right? And here's the thing. John's got all this stuff, and here's his son. And we're going to stop right there. You guys just hold on just a minute. You see, in your family, sir, and in my family, and in your family, ma'am, if we're not careful, we will pass things down to our children. And even though we get saved and born again, we continue to feed those mindsets. And even though God is saying you need to get rid of this, we continue to feed those mindsets. We continue to feed those little habits. Those little, Song of Solomon said, those little foxes are the ones that spoil the grapes. It's those little things in our lives. I tell you what, you guys can just sit down for just a minute. Hold on to your sin, buddy. Don't get rid of it yet. All right? But it's those little things. I know it's been, I know it's been hard, and I know you're sitting there, man. I, said, I wish you'd get on through this and... and but, but listen, listen, we, we hold on to those little things, and we, we, we convince ourselves that nobody knows what is going on, and nobody can see uh, in my mind, and nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors, and nobody knows uh, what I really am like when I get home, and nobody knows that but my wife or something like that and we pretend that those little things uh, are okay but can I tell you something this morning that it is the little uh, fox that spoils the grape you see if you study that a little bit uh, the, the fox that they were talking about doesn't care anything about the vine he doesn't care anything about the bloom but he cares about the grape and what is the grape the grape is the harvest what does the curse come against the curse robs us of our harvest. The curse robs us of our ability to seed and to see the seed bring forth a harvest. There's a story in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 11. And, and it's about a man whose name was Shammah. And the Bible says that Shammah was one of David's mighty men. And, and so as Shammah was there one day, and the Bible says that he uh, apparently had a piece of ground that had peas on it or lentils. So Shammah has this small piece of ground that's got peas on it. 
And the Bible says that the Philistines came and were going to take the, the peas or take that ground from Shammah. Listen to this. The Bible says that Shammah stood there in the middle of that ground. But I want you to notice something. That everybody else left. Everybody else ran away. Nobody else stayed there to help him fight the battle. Nobody else recognized the importance of that little bitty piece of ground but Shammah. And the Bible says that Shammah stood there in the middle of that small piece of ground. Now get it, guys. It is a piece of ground. It is not an acre. It is a piece of ground. It is a small piece of ground. It's like a one uh, slice of bread out of a whole loaf. It is small. But I want you to understand something this morning that how the enemy works in your life. The enemy doesn't come in and take over your whole life all, all of a sudden, but he eases in and gets one little piece of ground at the time. You see, everybody else didn't recognize the fact that it was just a small piece of ground, but, but Shammah had a revelation of God because Shammah understood that if I don't stop him right now, then tomorrow he'll be coming for my field, and tomorrow he'll be coming for my city, and tomorrow he'll be coming for my nation. You see, what has happened in our culture is we've given up the little piece here and a little piece there, and now the devil is running around controlling our field and controlling our city and controlling our school, and we wonder what's going on. But somebody's got to recognize that I am a Shammah. And the Bible says that all he did was stand there in the middle of that little piece of ground when everybody else ran, but he stood there. Listen, you had got to know the whole book. You had got to know how to quote every scripture. God is looking for somebody that will just stand there. You might listen. You might look at your life and say, oh, pastor, well, all I do is tell a lie every once in a while. Or all I do is take a drink every once in a while. All I do is do this every once in a while. It's no big deal. Uh, uh, Randall didn't think it was a big deal either until it passed down to his son. And now his son is an alcoholic. And now his son is bound up with sin and lying and trying to cover it up. You see, what he gave up was a small piece of ground. But now the devil has come in and he's owning the field listen we miss it because we read that story and we say all this is talking about is just a just a mess of pink eye purple hull peas for lunch listen it's not about a mess of peas for lunch it's about your destiny it's about your future Listen, uh, it used to be when I was coming up, my dad would plant a garden, and, and every year around the fall uh, season when the peas would stop yielding, uh, there would be peas hanging on the vines, and, and, and Daddy would say, Now, son, we're not going to pick these. We're going to leave these here, and we're going we're gonna to let them hang on the vine, and they're going to dry, and when they dry, we'll come out and gather them, and then we're going to put them in the crib and lay them out so they'll dry real good. He said, Because this is going to be the season for next year you see we've had this this mentality that it's just a mess of peas we're kind of like Esau it's just a bowl of porridge 
or it's just a birthright. If I can get something to eat. Listen, we've got this feed me today mentality. And God's saying, I don't only want to feed you today. I want to teach you how to live for the future. And I want to teach you how to live and be prosperous. But we'd get those peas and we'd put them in, in the crib or in, in the barn and we'd let them dry. And then come about time getting ready to plant the next season. Dad would go out there and we'd get all those dried up pea holes and peas and, and we'd break them open and get all the seed out of them. And he'd plant another pea patch. And Daddy always increased the pea, size, the pea patch size. He said, son, we got, these, we got seed left. Let's plant a few more rows. Could it be that, that we're not seeing prosperity happen in our lives because we've given up our ability to have, we thought we were just losing a, a, a mess of peas for the day, but what really happened is the devil came in and robbed us of our field, and now we don't have anywhere to sow our seed because the devil is wreaking havoc in our lives? But I want you to notice something when Shama, Shamgar, Shama stood his ground in the middle of his pea patch, God brought the victory. Listen, God will do amazing things. The Bible says that, that, that the victory was given to him, and, and uh, God blessed him and multiplied him and gave him a great victory. Why? Because he just simply stood. Mom and Dad, I want to tell you something today. You're not going to be popular with your kids when you stand all the time. Because they're going to want to watch stuff that they don't need to watch. They're, go they're going to want to go places they don't need to go. And you're not going to be popular. Listen, Christianity is not going to win you a popularity contest. But I would much rather to know when I lay my head down tonight that I am blessed of the Lord than I had to know that I was the accolades of everybody around me. I would rather know today that I've been blessed by God than to have all the claps and all the pats on the back that man could offer me. Why? Because when I lay down in bed tonight and I don't wake up in the morning, I know that my inheritance is going to be greater than anything else that man could ever offer me. Listen to the book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says, the curse, talking about the curse of the law. The law was that that showed me my sin, but the law could not do anything to deal with my sin. It was powerless. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 that Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So we've talked about the curse, and you know the progression of the curse and the progression of sin. And John sitting here this morning saying, what am I going to do now, Pastor? Where, where do I go from him? And he's got all these bags of sin that is holding and don't know how to deal with them. How do we break the curse? How do we deal with the curse of sin in my life? Here, I'm going to give you some things. And it starts out with one word, and that is repentance. I know this is not 2019 preaching politically correct, but this is going to bring freedom to your life. Listen, repentance is the decision that one makes that says, I will stop moving away from God and start moving toward Him. 
If John wants victory over his sin, he's going to have to repent of it and stop moving away from God and start moving toward God. It is not what I think that brings transformation in my life, but it is what I do. You can sit on the seat from now on until you dry up and become a prune and die and all that and still not be changed. Why? Because it is not what you think with your mind. It is what you do with your heart that brings transformation. Listen, what repentance does is repentance sets you into another place of sowing and reaping. As long as you're in sin, you're sowing sinful seed and you're reaping the benefits of those sins. But when repentance take place, takes place, that is broken and you begin to sow the seeds of joy and of peace and of happiness and wholeness and you begin to reap those things in your life. I don't know about you, but I want my children to reap the seeds of joy from my life. I want them to reap the seeds of blessing from my life. And I'm thankful that I see that happen in my children's life. When, when they struggle financially and when they get in places where they need help, I'm glad to hear them when they call me and say, Dad, uh, I want to tell you what happened today. Uh, we were struggling and we, we were battling and just, just didn't know what we were going to do. And, and this check arrived in the mail from, from, from a company that, that we worked with years ago and they just sent us a check out of the blue. And Dad, it's so awesome because God always provides. And and that makes the heart of old daddy just swell up because I know that they're reaping the reward and the benefits of seed that me and mama have sown. Listen, understand this, that your past is always going to desire to reconnect with you. But the blood of Jesus breaks the power of that sin. I'm fixing to close. John said, I don't know what to say. Here's the thing. In the book of Matthew, chapter 27, where's Corey? Listen, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and verse 45, I'm going to read these verses. It says, Now from the sixth hour, which is noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice this, that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried, and he said those words, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is when the weight of the entire sin was laid upon him. hear this some of them that stood there when they heard that said this man's calling for Elias or Elijah 
And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. Verse 49, the rest said, let, let it be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Verse 50, Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. John chapter 19 and verse 30 says, he said, it is finished. So he had just cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the Father had turned his back, because the entire weight of the world of sin had been laid upon the shoulders of his only begotten Son. And then, just a few minutes later, Jesus cried, and he cried another cry. And he said, it is finished. And he yielded up the ghost, and he died. End of story? No. Listen to this. Oh, this is so awesome. I'm going to try to maintain control, Gia. I don't know if I can. All right. Verse 51 says, and behold, I like that word, and behold, because that lets us know that there's emphasis. You need, I'm putting emphasis on what I'm saying. I, I want to emphasis. I want, you to, I want you to see this. Behold, that's what they said. The angel said when Jesus uh, was being born in Bethlehem, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And now uh, the Word of God says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent into from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Now we've been talking about the tabernacle on Wednesday night. The veil... Some historians say this veil was, was 60 foot plus tall. It was the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And some say that it was, it was four inches thick. But the Bible says that when Jesus died, the veil was rent not from the bottom because it could have been blamed on a man, but it was rent from the top to the bottom by the Holy Ghost. Now catch this. Before that, if I had gone behind the veil, I would have died. But when God rent the veil from top to bottom, now if I don't go back there, I'm going to die. So the Bible says that the, the veil was rent, thus giving us a way to get into the presence of God. God wants you to dwell in his presence. And the, the way was made. Jesus made the way. And, and, so, and the Bible says that when the, the veil was rent, that the earth began to shake 
And as it began to shake, the rocks began to split open. I believe what it was saying was this, that at the moment Jesus died, the church was silent and nobody could say anything because this is the Son of God that I just witnessed die. And I I don't know what to say. And there was depression and oppression that filled the land and everybody thought the battle had been lost. But Jesus said, "If if, if you hold your peace then the rocks and the mountains will cry out on my behalf. And when everybody else was quiet, then the rocks began to quake and the mountain began to shake and the stones began to burst open. And the Bible says this, catch this, the Bible says that when that happened, that the graves began to open up. The Bible says that the graves began to open up. They were opened. And then it says, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. But I want you to notice this. They came out of the graves after his resurrection. They didn't come out then. They didn't come out when he died. They came out after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now catch this. When those gravestones were moved out of the way, that was a prophetic gesture from heaven that says that that's inside of this tomb that is dead, I am making a way for it to come out alive. Remember Lazarus? Jesus said, go and move the stone. What Jesus did when he died is heaven removed the stone from the grave grave sites of these people. And three days later, they came out of those graves and were seen in the city. Now you say, Pastor, Where does that leave me? I want to give you one more illustration because I want to tell you something about sin. You got to get down and dirty with sin. You can't placate sin. You can't stroke it. You can't pretend it's going to be all right. You got to get down and dirty. Sometimes you have to take your dress clothes off and put your work clothes on and say, I'm going to deal with this demon. I'm going to deal with this mess that's been coming against my family. I'm going to shut this mess down that's been coming against my children. I will no longer allow the enemy to rob me of my joy and of my seed. And all of y'all are wondering, why are you coming back here? I'm not going to mess with nobody, I promise. Here's the thing. That old song, come on, worship team, get on up there. That old song that says, Oh, victory in Jesus, 
my Savior forever. You remember that? When I was a sinner, and I want to tell you something about this cross. It is heavy. It is heavy. It is bundlesome, and it is big. That's why I got one bigger than me that's standing here with me. But I want you to understand something. The only way that you're ever going to deal with your sin is if you deal with it through a cross because the cross represents the death of every sin. Listen, Jesus didn't die on the cross and bear just a few of your sins. He didn't die on the cross and just deal with your lying tongue. He died on the cross in dealing with your lust. He died on the cross dealing with your addictions. He died on the cross and dealt with your sickness and your disease. Everything that you can ever think of was hanging on this cross. And listen, if you want to deal with sin in your life, there's going to have to be a cross. You're going to have to have an encounter with an old rugged cross because it's on the cross where Jesus died. It is through the power of the cross that my sin was crucified and it's on this cross that I am crucified no longer to live but yet not I but Christ who lives on the inside of me and the life that I now live I live by faith in the son of God that died for me and gave his life for me it is about a cross it is the power of the cross where's John John man you get your sin Some of you guys help him get, the, get that up there. It ain't nothing for him. Taylor, you slide that, that across. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Destin, where's Destin? Come here, Destin. Come up here and stand right over here. John, I want you to get over there on, on that side, man. Here's John. He's got all this mess. He's got all this stuff. He's lied to his wife. And I'm just, this is an example. John's a great husband. Well, he is, Stacy. But John's done everything he could to try to cover up his addictions. He's cheated. He's lied. And all of that. But he's got a son that's standing here. And John has this revelation one day. Man, I don't want all my mess passed down to my son. I don't want my son to have to go down the dirt roads and the back roads that I went down. I don't want my son to have to hug a toilet on Saturday night and Sunday morning throwing his guts out because he went out and partied. I don't want my children to have to have to conceal all of their lives, things that have been done in darkness that they don't know what want anybody to know. And so John has this revelation because somebody told him about Jesus. Told him about a man. They told him about a story of a man that that died on a cross, that shed his blood told him about a man that went all the way to Calvary and shed his blood. You want to break the curse? You got to have revelation 
of the fact that Jesus went all the way to Calvary and died for you on the cross. And listen, there is no addiction too big that he cannot break. There is no sin that is too great that he cannot deal with. John heard the story. And so he got on his knees at the cross. He got on his knees at the cross and he repented of his sin and he gave his life to Christ. And here's what happened. All these bags, he hung them on the cross. All this stuff, didn't matter how big it was, the cross is big enough to handle it. The cross is big enough to handle your mess. The cross is big enough to deal with your sin. It doesn't matter how many relationships you've been through and got messed up. It doesn't matter how many people have messed you up. The cross is big enough. All you got to do is bring it to the cross and give it to Jesus, and he'll deal with your past. Here's the thing. Here's what you really ought to shout about. It's when John gave all that to Jesus, when he put it all at the cross. Now he can come over here with a son that doesn't have to inherit all the junk that daddy did. Why? Because the curse has been broken. The power of the cross, the blood of Jesus broke the curse of sin. And no longer Destin doesn't have to walk down the dirt road that his daddy went down. Destin don't have the scars that his daddy did. Why? Because daddy broke the curse. Daddy broke the curse. The sin was stopped. Can I ask you something, sir? And I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking to you if you're unsaved. And I'm talking to you if you are saved. Because there are people here this morning and you've got vices in your life. You've got little things in your life that you've been holding and you've been hiding. You said nobody knows. Nobody knows. But can I tell you something? God knows. God knows. God is watching. God is listening. That is the reason, guys, that I preach and I scream and I cry, Mom and Dad, get your children in church. Get your children under a place where the anointing is. Subject your kids to the anointing instead of subjecting them to all the stuff that Disney has and all the stuff that Nickelodeon has. Subject them to the power of the cross.
to bring it to the cross. Maybe you got some stuff that you just need to bring to the cross this morning. Maybe you're a mom. You need to bring some stuff to the cross. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before my father, before others, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Listen, if you're tired of your mess, if you're tired of your junk, then maybe you need to step out and say, you know what? I don't care who sees me. I don't care who knows about it. I'm coming to the cross. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you this morning, Hold up, hold up. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and, and I'm I'll say this. 
with love, and I say it from the bottom of my heart, but I'm saying this this morning because I believe this is a word from God. Somebody here, you've had something in your life that you've hidden and you think nobody knows. God brought you here today and he's given you an opportunity right now to, to break that off of your life. Here's the warning. God said, deal with it while the time is right or it will deal with you when the time is wrong. I know that's hard, but that's how strong I feel about this message this morning. God is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. Listen, I'm not asking you to come up here and tell me what it is. I don't want to know what it is. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. But God needs to hear it. And you need to confess it. I've never preached a message like this to this to this extent. And I've never said what I'm saying right now. But I'm telling you, you've been hiding some things. And God says, I'm about to expose it if you don't deal with it. It's at the cross. It's at the cross. The power of the cross. Sandy, I know this is putting you on the spot, but I want you to sing one of those old-fashioned altar songs. Whatever you know, sing it. Because I believe today that God is saying, I'm going to change some lives. I want to change some lives. Sister Melissa, I want you to come up here and just kneel with him. I know you're having a fit too, so I want you to come up here. You say, Pastor, is it, is it as simple as that? Did I just kneel at the cross? Yeah, it is. It's just a simple confession. It's a simple saying, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of the sin. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of all the, the burden and the guilt. I'm just tired of it. I'm going to lay it down. And so I'm bringing it to the cross. I wonder how many people today will be honest with yourself and honest with God and say, hey, here I come, here I come. 